0: Welcome, listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and since we started this podcast, it has always been decided that though I am Gryffindor and Katie is Slytherin, we will never be divided.
1: Wow. I would like to just keep rolling. Beyond that, please. But there are more verses. Here's the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Ron can't tell if Luna is flirting or mocking him. Hermione is somehow shocked by Malfoy's treatment of little kids. Quibbler is just one Elvis sighting away from being called the National Enquirer. Emaciated horsey birds aren't exactly what one might consider a warm welcome back to school. And, as if Harry needed anything else to be angsty about, Hagrid turns out to be a no-show when they get off the train. During episode 135,
0: or does he? Our Potter pondering was... Would you rather be able to see a Thestral or live in ignorant bliss thinking the carriage is pulling itself? G'day Ellen, Katie, how's it going? This is Jackson with this week's of Pondering. So, would I rather see Thestrals or live in ignorance thinking the carriage is pulling itself? I'm actually going to give a bit of a different answer here. I would rather know what Thestrals are and know that they're pulling the carriage. But I'm not sure if I'd want the ability to see them because, you know, obviously I'd have to see someone die. But, you know, to actually know about them, to know about these creatures and have that knowledge would be pretty cool. That's my thoughts.
2: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Would I like to see a Thestral or not? I'm going to have to decline, especially as a teenager going to Hogwarts. Definitely would have not wanted to go through what you have to go through to be able to see one of those things. At the time, when I was a teenager reading the story, my answer would have been different. Definitely would have wanted to see what was going on. But now, as a 30-something-year-old lady, uh uh-uh, definitely no. But it's not like we really would get a choice, right? I would like to say that I would be able to see them, whether I want to or not, especially as a 30 some year old nurse. Definitely be able to see one. And, by the way, my Patronus is a destro.
3: Hi there, Quincy here. You know, I have to really think about it, right? Because knowing that something other than magic is pulling the carriages is pretty cool, but you have to think at what cost does that take for you to know what is actually pulling the carriages, right? Because you have to see somebody physically die in order to see the Thestrals pulling the carriage. That's where I'm kind of like iffy about. I think I'd rather stay in blissful ignorance and, you know, use my imaginations or let somebody tell me that Thestrals are pulling the carriage and go from there imagine what they actually look like rather than actually seeing them because on another hand theestrals are actually frightening to look at like they're terrifying and i am i'm probably a little bit of a pussy when it comes to things that look dead <laughs> so i think i'm gonna stay in blissful ignorance let somebody tell me that theestrals are pulling the carriage and then i'm going to imagine that they look like pegasus, rather than you know dead winged horses
2: Hi, hey, this is Jessica calling in. If we're going by the rules of the species, and you know, I would have to have seen, uh, like, a, someone die in order to see the festivals, and absolutely not. I would rather live in ignorant bliss. But the carriages just magically pull themselves, because, I mean, this is Hogwarts, so of course that's something that would totally be able to happen. But if we can negate that rule, and just whether you see it or not, then I'd like to see what they look like. That would be pretty cool. But, yeah, if I'd have to see someone die, I know that's uh, not something I want to have to do. So, thanks. Hi, this is Tom Heaven, first-time caller. I want to say that I think I would like to know that the thresholds are pulling the carriage because, well, as a teenager, I was like, weird and creepy things, and frankly, everything I've learned about thresholds, they're mostly scavengers, so they wouldn't be, like, hunting my flesh. So, yeah, I would rather know more about thresholds. Bye. Hi, this is Marissa. I just wanted to call in my Potter Pondering. Oh, my goodness. I would love to be able to see those beautiful thresholds. Like, if I wasn't afraid of needles, I would definitely get a Thestral tattoo. You see, I love thestrels. Like, I love Luna. I love Thestrals. I love her quirkiness. I just love Thestrals and Luna so much. So why would I not want to? You know, Thestrals are creepy and all, but, like, they're amazing as well because they're underestimated. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm ranting.
0: It's already been one minute. I will see you guys in a bit. Bye.
1: Support talk, signing off. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, who is the first student that McGonagall calls to put on the sorting hat in Order of the Phoenix? Going in alphabetical order, like the books at least always did, Professor McGonagall starts off with Abercrombie Ewan.
0: Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. This was another really close one, though. Sarah was less than a minute behind him with the correct answer. Not quite a tie, but the competition
1: is fierce. I wonder who's going to get there first this week. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 11, the Sorting Hat's new song, and the barely basically corresponding film scenes. Chapter 11 the Sorting Hat's New Song,
0: Part 1. Harry doesn't want to tell his friends that he and Luna are having the same hallucination, so he doesn't say anything else about the horses. Ginny asks about the Grubbly Plank woman, wondering if Hagrid left, and Luna says she'll be glad if he has since he isn't a very good teacher. Harry, Ron, and Ginny all angrily say that he is, and when Harry glares at Hermione, she clears her throat and unconvincingly says he's very good. Luna replies that they think he's a bit of a joke in Ravenclaw, and Ron snaps that she has a rubbish sense of humor. She isn't fazed by Ron's rudeness and merely stares at him like he's a mildly interesting television program. The carriages continue down the road and as they pass through the tall stone pillars with winged boars on either side of the gates to the school grounds, Harry leans forward to check for any lights on in Hagrid's cabin, but the grounds are completely dark. Hogwarts Castle is looming closer and closer and the carriages stop when they reach the stone steps leading up to the oak front doors. Harry gets out first and again looks for lit windows down by the forest, but still doesn't see anything. He instead looks back at the strange skeletal horses, half hoping they've vanished, but they're still there, blank white eyes gleaming. He remembers the one other time he could see something that Ron couldn't in the mirror of Erised, but doesn't think that really applies. If Luna is to be believed, then the horses have always been there, but invisible, and he doesn't understand why he can all of a sudden see them, but Ron can't. Ron then asks Harry if he's coming or what, and Harry quickly says yeah before they join the crowd hurrying inside the castle. They all file into the great hall, seeing the familiar ceiling enchanted to look like the sky, candles floating along the tables, and the silvery ghosts among the mingling students. Harry notices people put their heads together and whisper as he passes, but grits his teeth and pretends not to see them. Luna drifts away to the Ravenclaw table, Ginny joins some Gryffindor fourth-year students, and Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville find seats together. Parvati Patil and Lavender Brown give Harry an overly friendly greeting, which makes him sure they had just stopped talking about him, but he's more concerned about Hagrid's absence who really care at this point. He tells Ron and Hermione that he isn't there, and the three friends begin talking about if he left or has been hurt or something. Harry thinks his absence could have something to do with his mission for Dumbledore, which reassures Ron, though Hermione isn't convinced. She continues to scan the staff table and sharply asks who the woman dressed in all pink talking to Dumbledore is. Harry looks at the table as well and sees the familiar, pallid, toad-like face and informs Hermione that it's the Umbridge woman from his hearing, explaining that she works for Fudge. Ron mocks her fluffy pink cardigan, but Hermione is more curious why she's at Hogwarts. Harry doesn't have an answer, but Hermione already seems to have figured it out, and she isn't happy about it. He's not sure why, but is distracted by the arrival of Professor Plank, and knows the first years must have reached the castle. A few seconds later, the doors open, and the long line of scared-looking first years follows Professor McGonagall into the Great Hall. McGonagall carries a stool in the patched and frayed hat to the front of the hall, sets them down, and steps back. The rip near the hat's brim opens like a mouth, and the Sorting Hat begins to sing a song about when the founders started the school and how it eventually caused a rift in their friendships, ultimately ending in Slytherin leaving the school. The hat sings a warning about how they must be united to avoid crumbling within and the fear that sorting will continue the divide. Everyone claps, but also begins to mutter about how different the song is this year. Hermione wonders if it's ever given warnings before, and nearly headless Nick informs her that it has. Before he can go into any detail, Professor McGonagall begins to call out the students in alphabetical order, starting with Abercrombie Ewan. A terrified-looking boy stumbles forward and puts the hat on his head. And after a moment, it yells, Gryffindor. As the long line of first years gets shorter and shorter, Harry can hear Ron's stomach growling. Finally, McGonagall calls out the final name, Zeller Rose, who gets sorted into Hufflepuff, and McGonagall removes the stool and hat. Dumbledore stands to welcome the newcomers and says there's a time for speech-making, but this is not it. He finishes his statement by saying tuck in and throws his beard over his shoulder as he sits down and the food magically appears in front of everyone. As Ron digs into the food, Hermione asks Nearly Headless Nick about the hat giving warnings and learns that whenever the hat detects periods of great danger for the school, it always gives the same advice. Stand together, be strong from within. Ron asks an unintelligible question through a mouthful of food and then swallows and repeats it, wondering how it can know if the school is in danger since it's a hat. Nearly headless Nick figures that it must hear things since it lives in Dumbledore's office. Harry glances over at Draco Malfoy and says that it's a fat chance all the houses will be friends. Nick admonishes him for having that attitude, pointing out that he would never dream of seeking an argument with the Slytherin's ghost, the Bloody Baron. Ron says that's because he's terrified of him, and an offended Nick begins to defend himself, saying he has never been guilty of cowardice in his life, commenting on the noble blood that runs in his veins, and prompting Ron to cut him off and question whether there is still blood in his veins. This only annoys Nick further, and Hermione tries to reassure him that Ron wasn't really laughing at him. She shoots Ron a look who attempts an apology, but once again has such a large mouthful of food he can only manage a mumble. Nick rises and sweeps away from them and Hermione snaps at Ron, who seems completely oblivious to his rudeness. Harry is too used to this bickering to bother trying to reconcile them and instead just focuses on his food. When everyone is finished eating, Dumbledore again stands to give his actual start of term speech. The hall immediately falls silent and Dumbledore begins speaking, reminding the students that the forest in the grounds is out of bounds. Mr. Filch, the caretaker, has asked him for the 462nd time to remind them that magic is not allowed in the corridors between classes, along with a long list of other things that is attached to Mr. Filch's office door. He then welcomes back Professor Grubly Plank as the Care of Magical Creatures teacher and introduces Professor Umbridge as the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. The trio exchange panicked looks because Dumbledore doesn't mention how long Grubly Plank will be teaching. And the headmaster continues his announcements. Before he can tell them when Quidditch tryouts will take place, he stops talking and looks around at Professor Umbridge, who has cleared her throat and is standing with the intention
1: of making a speech of her own. The movie section starts off with Hermione, Ron, Harry, and Neville joining the blonde girl in the carriage. Hermione introduces her to everyone as Looney before correcting herself to say Luna Lovegood. They all look around awkwardly, with Neville completely avoiding looking towards Luna, until Hermione attempts to make conversation by calling her necklace interesting. Luna looks down at the trinket hanging around her neck by a thin blue ribbon and informs them all that it is actually a charm. She leans towards the very uncomfortable Neville, lowering her voice and informing him that it keeps away the Nargles. As everyone continues to stare anywhere but at the strange girl, she continues speaking, saying that she's hungry and hopes there is pudding. The scene transitions to the carriages making their way down a lantern lit but still dark path and Ron and Hermione whisper about having no idea what nargles are. It then cuts to the Great Hall and pans over the Ravenclaw table where the students are happily eating and shows Luna smiling as she serves herself some pudding. The camera then switches to a wide view of the whole Great Hall before focusing on Seamus Finnegan giving Harry a strange look. A confused and slightly dejected Harry looks away from him, but before he can ponder on the look, his thoughts are interrupted by Professor Dumbledore, who calls good evening to the children and begins to announce the two staffing changes for the year. He welcomes back Professor Grubbly Plank and gestures over his shoulder to her at the staff table while explaining that she will be taking over care of magical creatures while Professor Hagrid is on temporary leave. The camera briefly shows a confused Harry before panning over the staff table and settling on the woman from Harry's hearing, who is sitting next to Professor Snape. Dumbledore continues his speech, welcoming Professor Dolores Umbridge as the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. She is dressed all in pink tweed with a matching pink knit hat and gives a little high-pitched giggle in acknowledgement to the welcome. So again, we have a couple of sections that don't really
0: line up, although it's mostly just in detail. The gist of it is kind of there. The setting. They got off the train and they took a carriage to the castle and they're in the Great Hall. Like that is about it. That's it. Bare bones. Just like a festival. It's very bare boned, yes. (laughs) But the second half of this actually lines up much better, so we kind of had to split it that way to get it as close as we could in some fashion. Yeah. So it is what it is. Here we are. We're going to do our best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, we are. It starts off in the book with Harry not wanting to tell his friends that he and Luna are having the same hallucination for all he knows. right? So he just stops talking about the emaciated horsey birds.
1: Probably the right call. Yeah. For the most part. This sentiment is achieved by many vacant looks in the movie, but as we currently have no idea who the blonde girl is yet, it's still slightly different. Mm-hmm. We start off with our heroes joining the blonde girl on the absolutely definitely self-driving carriage. Oh yes, absolutely, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hermione, not Ginny, makes introductions, calling her Looney at first before correcting herself by saying Luna Lovegood. Luna makes no move to show that she noticed the faux pas, but... Doesn't that just make it worse? Yeah, I don't know. I hate that they had Hermione do this in the movie. I don't know why. Well, so now we've
0: finally gotten to meet Luna in the movie, mm-hmm. and I can see why they streamlined it the way they did. But since Ginny isn't with them to introduce her... It bothers me that it was Hermione who apparently knows this girl even though nobody else does.
1: Right? Like when would she have... Ever met her? Met her or known her or been around her? Or known to call her Looney Lovegood? Yeah. Because if she knows an insulting
0: nickname like that, you know Harry and Ron know it. Right? It was stupid. It was a terrible streamline. Four thumbs down because I'm doing two and Katie's going to do two with me.
1: Sure. Yeah. Four thumbs down. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But it just felt so out of character for Hermione, too. Ginny, I mean, she's not mean, but at the same time, like, she might have found a little bit of humor in the nickname because she's on the same level as Fred and George with their sense of humor and stuff. She also didn't say it to Luna's face in the book. true. She told Neville
0: it was only Looney Lovegood. She then opened the door asked her if it was okay if they joined her and then introduced her to everybody as luna yeah they were trying to work that nickname in in a funny way and they didn't have jenny in the scene to do it so they had hermione do it which made no
1: sense and it in wasn't Muslim funny place. no it wasn't funny it was, it was, was awkward funny. and it was rude it was just I, yeah there was absolutely nothing about it that i liked Yeah. Of all things that
0: they did not cut out. (laughs) And I'm so sick of them giving Hermione lines that belong to other people.
1: Just saying that right now. I think it's gone on record numerous times that I feel the same way as you on that one. True story. This one just hit differently, I always feel like, because it's just so out of character. I will give it this. It did enhance the
0: awkwardness of the situation, which they needed to establish
1: quickly. And I did kind of love just the blank stare- From Luna. It Mm -hmm. was just kind of like, yeah, and? Like, nothing was out of the ordinary. And I... I mean, she is probably used to being called Looney. She's probably used to being called a lot of things, really. Yeah, But,
0: I mean, I... But like I said, the best I can give it is that it ramped up the awkwardness of this situation, which was supposed to exist. True.
1: Considering almost everyone avoids eye contact with her at this point. You know, Harry staring at his shoes, Neville staring straight ahead... Ron staring at Hermione and Hermione's eyebrows are just staring everywhere else. Doing the YMCA, yeah, just doing the YMCA and just like the car air the, fan guys, the you know, yeah, guys. yeah, yep. <laughs> whatever the fuck they're called. But finally, Hermione attempts conversation by pointing out Luna's necklace, calling it interesting. Really, Hermione, like, you couldn't have just commented on the weather. I feel like everybody else sitting there had to be like, abort, abort, abort!
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do not engage! <laughs> do not! Just look ahead! Why would you do that?
1: <laughs> just a collective groan of, thanks, Hermione. <laughs> but moving on. Luna just looks at it dreamily and calls it a nargle-repelling charm. And, sure, there's a new word for everybody. Oh. Our word of the day is nargle. 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 Keeps away the nargles. I love the way she says it, though. Mm -hmm. It's the cutest little keeps away the nargles. (laughs) Seemingly unaware to how awkward everyone is feeling, Luna simply states that she's hungry and she hopes there's pudding because she's a girl after my own heart. Yes. I love Luna. I love her
0: so much. Eat dessert first, baby. I do think this scene does a really great job of showing just how odd and awkward Luna is. And as we said last episode, Ivana Lynch is phenomenal. Yes. But that's not how it happened in the book. No. For one thing, as we've already noted, Ginny is there with them. Mm-hmm. For another, we already know Luna at this point, so the focus is not on her, Yeah. but rather on Hagrid's absence from the train station to pick up the first years. Yeah, we didn't get that in the movie at all. Not even a little bit. No. It's not even like a, hey, where's Hagrid? Nothing. No, just a look on Harry's face and it barely acknowledges where's
1: Hagrid. And you couldn't even tell that's what he was thinking either. It's not like... I feel like we could because
0: we've read the books. Yeah. But anybody else just watching it would not have thought a thing of that expression. No, it could have been anything. Because like I said, Ginny asks about the grubbly plank woman. Mm-hmm. Wondering if Hagrid's left... And Luna says that she'll be glad if he has because he's not a very good teacher, is he? Oh, no. Harry, Ron, and Ginny all together are like, yes, he is. <laughs> and Harry glares at Hermione, who is conspicuously silent at this point. Yeah. And she
1: just clears her throat. Uh, he's very good. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Hermione, come on. Join the group here.
0: Right. Luna says that they think he's a bit of a joke in Ravenclaw, which makes Ron snap that she has a rubbish sense of humor.
1: I mean, she's overly honest. (laughs) Right. But she doesn't mean any malice in it. She's
0: very direct. Yeah. And she obviously doesn't have the same bond with Hagrid that the trio
1: and Ginny as well Exactly. I mean, let's face it. If they didn't have as much of a bond with Hagrid as they do, probably think close to the same thing. I think even being honest with themselves, they know. That's what I'm saying. Because like... we'll even see more
0: of that later. Although we have very strongly stated that Hagrid is actually a really good teacher. He just has zero confidence because VD the second is a nazi von douchebag. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he kind of fucked that for him yes. real early. You have a bad first day. Things aren't going to go up.
0: Oh, yeah. It's not going to be good from there on out.
1: Yeah. And he's tried. He has a lot of passion in what he does. And that's awesome. And he has a lot of knowledge, too. Yes. And he's overall very respectful to the students. Right. But at the same time, they don't always see it the same way. They're not as interested by it. Right.
0: But anyway, so Luna thinks that he's a bit of a joke. Ron thinks that's not funny. And she is just completely unfazed by Ron's irritation. It kind of goes along pretty well with her being oblivious to how awkward the actual situation is. Mm -hmm. She just sort of stares at him like he's a mildly interesting television program.
1: Yeah, the only bit of conversation we actually get in the carriages in the movie is as it starts off down the road, we hear Ron ask Hermione what the actual fucking Nargle is. And she admits to having no idea. Which... I mean, that in itself. She knows fucking everything, even who Looney Lovegood is. She doesn't know what's pulling the fucking carriage. She doesn't know what an argle is. Hmm. Up is down. Left is right.
2: Cats are dogs. The fuck?
1: (laughs) Mass hysteria. Luckily, they put us out of our misery by just cutting right to the Great Hall at this point. And we get to see Luna dishing up some pudding. And it's just like, oh, yay, she got her pudding. All is right in the world. Mm -hmm. everything's okay right now Luna got her pudding yay right now things will change but this also
0: streams out some of the other details that aren't really important to the plot if I'm being honest because they drive in what we've already been introduced to
1: Mm mm-hmm It's like slight backstory.
0: Yeah, not even backstory. It's literally, they have established that Hagrid is missing. They have established that they don't know what the emaciated horsey birds are or slash can't see them. Mm -hmm. And as the carriage continues down the road and through the tall stone pillars with the winged boars on either side of the gates to Hogwarts, Harry's still looking for Hagrid. He's checking to see if there are lights on in Hagrid's cabin. Can't Mm -hmm. see anything. It's all dark. And they can see the castle getting closer and closer. And when the carriages stop... At the stone steps leading up to the oak front doors, Harry gets out first and again is still just looking to see any light down by the forest where Hagrid's cabin is. Yeah. So it's really driving that in there. But we got it. We know that Hagrid was not there when they thought he should have been. So I can see why that's extra at this point. However, since the movie didn't give it to us at
1: all, maybe, just maybe, they could have included, you know, a sentence. Just something. Huh? Hey, where's Hagrid? Right? How long? quick. How long did that take? Six seconds? Not even? <laughs> not even. That was like a second. Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. So Harry instead
0: looks back at the emaciated horsey birds, hoping that maybe they're just not there anymore. And he was just truly hallucinating. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And nope, they're still there. Wide eyes still gleaming all creepily. Well, fuck. And this reminds him of the one other time that he could see something Ron couldn't, but it was in the mirror of Erised. When you had to be standing directly in front of it, but it was your reflection and only you could see your reflection. Mm -hmm. So when Ron stood directly in front of it, he saw his reflection, his heart's desires. He could never see Harry's. And, you know, somehow he doesn't think that actually applies to these weird emaciated horsey birds.
1: No, because he doesn't want to see them for sure. Well, at this point, he doesn't know he doesn't want to see him. I mean, just look at them. I don't want to see him. There's that too. I personally cannot see them right now, but I can tell you right now, I would not want to see them. Nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm.
0: Sleeping with the lights on. But Harry has apparently spent several moments staring at the emaciated horsey birds because Ron has to ask him if he's coming or not. Yeah. Yeah. And Harry's like, oh yeah, yeah, let's go. And they all hurry inside the castle and file into the great hall. And they're they're home. It's the familiar enchanted ceiling that Mm -hmm. looks like the the dark starless sky. And they've got the floating candles and all of the ghosts mingling among the students who are all excitedly talking about their summer and Mm -hmm. being back and catching up. And in the book, Harry starts to notice People putting their heads together and whisper as he walks by them. But you want to know what? What? Unlike in the movie, he doesn't really care. He just does his best to pretend he can't see them
1: and just keeps on walking. He puts on his emaciated horsey bird blinders Mm -hmm. and just tunnel vision
0: tunnel vision is way to the Gryffindor table and Luna drifts away to go to the Ravenclaw table and Ginny is hailed by some of her friends in her year so she walks away Mm -hmm. and it just leaves Harry, Ron, Hermione and Neville to find seats together. Yeah. And they end up right near Parvati Potzel and Lavender Brown who immediately stop talking and give Harry this overly friendly Hey
1: Harry, how was your summer? Hey! Doing? oh my god oh my god it's so good to see you you look tan Did you get a
0: tan Did you go to the beach oh my god and harry's immediately convinced that they had clearly just stopped talking about him oh yes of course but honestly he's still more concerned about hagrid's absence to care mm-hmm. and we never got any of that yeah no mention of hagrid's absence up to this point especially So even though there is hints of people talking about him, Mm -hmm. it's not
1: really the focus. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, that's mainly the focus, kind of. Yeah. To a certain extent. Because we see Seamus giving Harry some, like, outright stink eye. He's shooting, like, ocular daggers at him before he finally turns around and goes back to his meal. And Harry looks away, having no idea why Irish eyes are glaring. And attempts to focus on something else before Dumbledore begins his yearly pep talk. Yeah, so we get that Harry's
0: not really fully concerned about the people talking about him or glaring at him in this case. Yeah, but it's not because he's focused on something else. He's no. well aware of it and just is too concerned about Hagrid to care.
1: Yeah, which is not the impression that we get in the movie no, at all. Not at all. No. Because again, there hasn't even been a mention of Hagrid. No,
0: there hasn't, which is frustrating. I think that could have been mentioned. Definitely, for sure. As usual, the book does not launch right into Dumbledore's yearly pep talk. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's still continuing to focus on the missing Hagrid.
1: Wait, is Hagrid missing? Hagrid is missing.
0: What? Harry tells Ron and Hermione that he's not there. I wonder where he is. Hmm. And the three of them all begin wondering where he is. and <laughs> Harry thinks that his absence might have something to do with the mission that Dumbledore sent him on. I mean, that would make sense. Right. And sure. that reassures Ron, although Hermione isn't quite convinced. She continues looking over the staff table and notices a woman dressed all in pink talking to Dumbledore. Mm. And she says, who the fuck is that? So Harry looks at the table, too, and sees a very familiar toad-like face. Mm-hmm and is like holy
1: fuck that's the umbridge woman from my hearing
0: I she know works her. for
2: fudge
1: yeah she's kind of a cunt a little bit something similar is mentioned in the movie but it isn't until she's officially introduced Yeah. Because she's not even named as Umbridge in the hearing. So we have zero idea what her name is. It's just a random woman in
0: pink that we vaguely recognize from earlier on in the movie. Exactly. And do they even actually show her up there until she's introduced? I mean, you kind of see her in the background, but it's not like a... It's nothing really to draw attention to her, whereas the book specifically does. Yeah. I mean, Ron mocks her fluffy pink cardigan, which can't really blame him.
1: I mean, how are you not going to?
0: Though Hermione is more curious as to why she's at Hogwarts. But in true fashion, she asks the question and then basically answers it for herself. And is just like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and Harry's like, what are you going on about? But he's then distracted by the arrival of Professor Grubbly Plank and knows that the first years must be on their way in for the sorting. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, moments later, the doors open and Professor McGonagall leads all of the terrified first years into the Great Hall. She's carrying a stool with the sorting hats on it and Mm -hmm. brings it right up to the front, sets it down, and steps out of the way. And all the ickle newbies
1: just... All the little scared ickle newbies. I wish we could have seen the ickle newbies. But unfortunately, the movie never let us see a sorting after the first one, which is ball stupid. We also never got a sorting hat song, which
0: I find even more ball stupid. Definitely Ball's stupid. Especially since this time the hat sings them a warning. Mm-hmm. In general, the hat was different, though. I wasn't really upset with how it looked in the movie. Yeah. But the book always describes a rip near the brim that opens, like, its mouth. Yeah, the
1: rip is the mouth, whereas this is, like, a muffet. Like, <laughs> the
0: wrinkle in the hat itself be the mouth, which... I liked it. I yeah. didn't hate it.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't mind the sorting hat at all. I loved it.
0: It was a little drunk, but it was it so was fun. It was
1: Gryffindor. Ha <laughs>
0: ha. But anyway, I can see why they wouldn't have included this, considering the fact that they've never had the hat do a song to begin with, but they also no. stopped showing us the hat after the first one. Yeah. Except for that other little scene.
1: For as much as we can fucking tell in the movie, they just pick a house out of the hat for all right? we fucking know.
0: But this was really interesting because in the past, the hat has always sung a song about how it came about and why it does the sorting and tells them details about the four houses that you could be sorted into.
1: Some backstory, if you will.
0: And in this one, I'm going to read you guys the whole thing just for funsies. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to go take a nap. In times of old, when I was new and Hogwarts barely started, the founders of our noble school thought never to be parted. United by a common goal, they had the self-same yearning, to make the world's best magic school and pass along their learning. Together we will build and teach, the four good friends decided, and never did they dream that they might someday be divided. For were there such friends anywhere as Slytherin and Gryffindor, unless it was a second pair, unless it was the second pair of Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw? So how could it have gone so wrong? How could such friendships fail? Why I was there and so can tell the whole sad sorry tale. Said Slytherin will teach just those whose ancestry is purest. Said Ravenclaw will teach those whose intelligence is surest. Said Gryffindor will teach all those with brave deeds to their name. Said Hufflepuff I'll teach the lot and treat them just the same. These differences caused little strife when they first came to light, for each of the four founders had a house in which they might. Take only those they wanted, so for instance Slytherin, took only pure-blood wizards of great cunning just like him. And only those of sharpest mind were taught by Ravenclaw, while the bravest and the boldest went to daring Gryffindor. Good Hufflepuff she took the rest and taught them all she knew. Thus the houses and their founders retained friendships firm and true. So Hogwarts worked in harmony for several happy years, but then discord crept among us, feeding on our faults and fears. The houses that, like Pillars 4, had once held up our school, now turned upon each other and divided, sought to rule. And for a while it seemed the school must meet an early end, what with dueling and with fighting and the clash of friend on friend. And at last there came a morning when old Slytherin departed, And though the fighting then died out, he left us quite downhearted. And never since the Founders Four were whittled down to three, have the houses been united as they once were meant to be. And now the sorting hat is here, and you all know the score. I sort you into houses, because that is what I'm for. But this year I'll go further, listen closely to my song. Though condemned I am to split you, still I worry that it's wrong." Though I must fulfill my duty and must quarter every year, still I wonder whether sorting may not bring the end I fear. Oh, know the perils, read the signs, the warning history shows, for our Hogwarts is in danger from external deadly foes, and we must unite inside her, or will crumble from within. I have told you, I have warned you, let the sorting now begin." Thank you for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it says everyone claps, so I figured <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the acting theme. it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. In the book, everyone claps, but they're also talking
0: about how different the song is. Ron's just like branched out, hasn't it? Right. <laughs> Boy,
1: he's getting bored on that (laughs) (laughs) shelf.
0: And Hermione wonders if it's ever given a warning like this before, which nearly headless Nick, the Gryffindor ghost, is sitting right there and starts to tell her that it has. But before he can elaborate, Professor McGonagall starts calling out the students in alphabetical order, beginning with Abercrombie Ewan.
1: Which was our trivia question. It sure was. I'd like to see you in Abercrombie. (laughs) I have never worn Abercrombie. No, no.
0: Hmm. But anyway, this absolutely terrified-looking boy stumbles forward.
1: No, the ickle firsties puts
0: on the hat, and according to the book, the only thing that stops the hat from falling all the way down to his neck is his very prominent ears. That's adorable. I
1: know, right? So goddamn adorable. I wish we could have
0: just seen that. Find a kid with big old ears and just put the hat on him to. It would have been Mm -hmm. so cute. Heaven forbid they showed part of a sorting. Even the book streamlines it here, though, because she does Abercrombie Ewan. hmm And then they mention the line getting shorter and Ron's stomach growling louder and louder. And then finally McGonagall calling out the final name, Zeller Rose, who gets sorted into Hufflepuff. And that's it. That's it. We get two names. I mean, it's better than what we get in the movie. Yeah, they couldn't even give us one. They couldn't even give us the hatch. They couldn't even give us a sorting. They just skipped all of it. They gave Luna pudding. They did give Luna pudding.
1: <laughs> it's about the best we can hope for on some days. Yes.
0: And Ewan does end up in Gryffindor. I didn't mention that. Mm-hmm.
1: Gryffindor. Yes. Would have been nice to hear. Just once. One more time. Gryffindor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were talking to me or just in general, so I figured I'd go with it.
0: Both works. Mm-hmm. But at this point, the sorting is over. It's time to start the feast. And as we know... Dumbledore does not like to make a speech until after everyone's eating. Mm -hmm. Fed and watered. Exactly. Yeah. Which I guess technically the movie does it that way too, since by the time he stands, they've clearly already been eating.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Luna's eating pudding. Right. So it must be at the end. Yeah. There's cakes on all the tables and... It's implied.
0: Yeah. But he does stand to welcome the newcomers and says, there's a time for speech making, but this is not it. (laughs) Tells them to tuck in. And more than anything, in my entire life, I cannot believe we never got a scene where Dumbledore throws his beard over his shoulder to keep it out of the way from his food as he's eating. Well, funnily enough, for as many times as I've read this book, I have never noticed before that he does that (laughs) and delving into it as detailed as I do to write these summaries I have noticed it and now I can't unnotice it and I am furious <laughs> that it never came to life on screen through his beard over his shoulder like
1: a continental soldier I was just gonna say that damn it <laughs> it does hang low yes it probably wobbles to and bro too mm-hmm. can tie it in a knot he can tie it in a bow for sure for show <laughs> but i'm mad i'm angry i know it doesn't sound like it in my voice except that you don't but
0: (laughs) but i really 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 can't believe this never happened yeah for as goofy as they made dumbledore hippie dumbledore right in certain moments like you gotta balance out that intensity that he shouldn't have had except for the appropriate moments with something and throwing his beard over his shoulder like a continental soldier would have been perfect it would have worked i would have been so happy had i seen that especially when i later went back and read it in the book and realized they took it from the book because huh but no
1: yeah you're just gonna go on being disappointed sorry ellen Mm -hmm. it's the way of the movie yates
2: yates
1: ew david But anyway, as Ron's
0: stomach has been loudly protesting during the entire sorting, he immediately digs into his food. Mm -hmm. But Hermione turns back to the conversation with Nearly Headless Nick about whether or not the hat's given warnings before, and he explains that whenever it detects periods of great danger for the school, it's always given the same advice. Stand together, be strong from within. We don't get any Nearly Headless Nick in the movie. No, not since the second one. Ron being Ron. What? Through a mouthful of food says, I can't know school that What was that? Well what he actually said was how can it know if the school's in danger since it's a hat?
1: Yeah, I don't know how I missed that, that what that was. <laughs> sure. What I
0: love about the book is it's literally spelled O W K-U-N-N-I-T-N-O-F-E S-K-U-S-I-N Danger I F Z
1: A T. I am not going to lie to you right now, as we are sitting here and recording I was trying to read ahead so I know where we were, and I thought you had a stroke. (laughs) Because I forgot about this part in the book. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, thank God that's not me talking, because I don't know what she's trying to say there. Yeah.
0: Nope, that's Ron talking with his mouth full. I was like, do you smell burnt toast, Ellen? Frequently. (laughs) But anyway... Nearly Headless Nick just kind of ignores his disgustingness and Mm -hmm. just first time he just says, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) After he actually understands what Ron says. Yeah. He says that he figures it must hear things since it lives in Dumbledore's office, which is reasonable. Makes sense. Sure. Harry takes this moment to glance over at the Slytherin table and take a look at VD2. (laughs) VD2. (laughs) What have I started? (laughs) But he says that it's a fat chance that all of the houses will actually ever become friends. And Nick's just like, well, of course not with that attitude. Right? He tries to use himself as an example, saying that even with all of the discord and competition between Slytherin and Gryffindors, I would never dream of seeking an argument with Slytherin's ghost, the Bloody Baron. And Ron says, well, that's because you're terrified of him. Which obviously offends Nick again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he starts trying to defend himself, saying that he has never in his life been guilty of cowardice and starts talking about the noble blood that runs in his veins. And Ron just completely cuts him off because he feels like being an ignorant douchebag right now and just says, surely there's not still blood in your veins?
1: I mean, I don't really think he was being ignorant at that point. I think he was just being a dick.
0: (laughs) I don't know, because after Nick gets annoyed, understandably... Hermione's Mm -hmm. just like no Ron's
1: not really laughing at you he just and she shoots Ron a look yeah like shut the dude what
0: the fuck is wrong with you are you
1: kidding me right now The look I give my husband
2: sometimes yeah so
0: Ron attempts an apology but has again shoveled so much food into his mouth that all he manages is
1: no I'm gonna shoot you another
0: stroke (laughs) (laughs) which this is clearly not a real apology so Mm -mm. Nick just up and leaves He's like, peace out, yo. I'm not putting up with this disrespect. <laughs> and Hermione snaps at Ron for being a douchebag or being a jerk, being an asshole, whatever you want to call right? him. And Ron is completely oblivious to how
1: rude he was. Mm-hmm. He's just like, what? I was just asking you a question. But you weren't, though. You were being a dick, and you know you were being a dick.
0: I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure about
1: him. I think he knows he was being a dick. She's a nightmare, honestly. No wonder she hasn't got any friends. I don't know if he realizes it sometimes. I mean, I think that that's true. But I also think it's partially because he just doesn't have the filter to be like, hey, I shouldn't say that out loud. So was this our
0: Potter pondering? Was Ron being a dick? Was Ron, (laughs) Or was he just
1: ignorant and oblivious? Is he just that dumb or was he trying to be a dickhead?
0: And Harry's just over there focusing on his food because he's too used to this bickering now and he's like i'm not gonna bother (laughs) at all they can just they'll get it out of their system and i'm just gonna eat my food Mm -hmm. yummy hogwarts feast (laughs) treacle tart
1: yay i'm back at hogwarts i'm back at hogwarts you guys can't fuck this up for me right now unless of course you're watching the movie yeah but we're not quite there yet
0: because we still have to get to the point where it lines back up Mm mm-hmm Which we're almost there. It's almost about to line up. You say does it? (laughs) So everyone finishes eating and Dumbledore stands a second time to give his actual announcements Mm -hmm. after everyone's been fed and watered. Yes. And because he never has to yell to get anyone's attention, when he stands the hall immediately falls silent. Mm Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore begins speaking and he tells all of the students, the younger ones especially, but some of the older ones too, that the forest on the grounds is out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Ron, Harry, and Hermione all guiltily look at each other at this point because they know he's talking to them.
1: I mean, unless you get detention, there's that. You know. Unless you follow the spiders. You know. (laughs) Unless your middle name is Meddling Marie Potter. (laughs) James meddling Marie Potter. James meddling
0: Marie Potter. I feel like Niffler should be in there too. (laughs) James Niffler meddling Marie. Harry James Niffler meddling Marie Potter. Anyway, (laughs) Dumbledore also informs them that Mr. Filch, the caretaker, has asked him for what he says is the 462nd time to remind them that magic is not allowed in the corridors between classes along with a whole bunch of other banned items in which the full list can be viewed, posted on Mr. Filch's office door. Most of which were only
1: on that list because of Fred and George, is my guess.
0: The list probably started because of James and Sirius, though. Well, Let's be honest.
1: (laughs) Definitely. But you know what? It doesn't matter because not a single bit of that happens in the movie. Except you know, Dumbledore is speaking. So (laughs) Ding! I guess that's a ding, sure. This is basically the
0: only part that really lines up well Mm -hmm. in the book dumbledore then welcomes back professor grubbly plank because we saw her when hagrid was on hiatus sure during the whole horsey bird not the emaciated horsey bird just the regular horsey bird situation the
1: well-fed horsey birds yes Mm -hmm.
0: on malfoy's flesh (laughs) (laughs) anyway she's back as the care of magical creatures teacher and then he also introduces professor umbridge As the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher.
1: Similarly, in the movie, he welcomes back Professor Grubbly Plank, who is taking over for Hagrid, who is possibly off spelunking with Madame Maxime. I don't know. Sounds like something they might be doing.
0: So this is interesting because this is the first time it has been acknowledged that That Hagrid is is missing. Yeah, And it's also not been addressed. No. In the book. Dumbledore just welcomes Grubbly Plank back. He doesn't say for Hagrid. He's not trying to draw attention to the fact that Hagrid is not there. He's just trying to, she's here,
1: move along. Yeah, whereas in the movie, Dumbledore specifically says, while Professor Hagrid's on leave. Right. And it just doesn't say why or anything like that. And that is
0: the closest that we get to, hey, Hagrid's gone. Yeah.
1: It's just not really brought up aside from this. So there's that. And this is also the only time that we get any kind of showing of Harry being like, hey, where's Hagrid? Right. Because he kind of furrows his brow and he's like, like, oh, I just noticed that one of my best friends is missing. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Hagrid's not up there. Huh. When was someone going to tell me? Oh, I guess just now. Okay. It is a little annoying. Oh, very annoying. Definitely. But as he's doing that, Snape is like giving a few like shady golf claps. You just kind (laughs) of see him like, (laughs) hmm. Just sitting at the table. I'm half
0: expecting him to snap his fingers.
1: <laughs> he has that look. <laughs> he does a little bit. Like, yes, very good. Ma.
0: But they clearly only focus on him for one reason.
1: Well, yeah, because we then see the cunt-faced lady from Harry's hearing sitting right next to him. And they had to show that. And they had to show at at some point. And this is the first time that it's really like,
0: bam, cunt face.
1: Yeah. Like, hey, remember this bitch, guys? She's about to become prevalent. (laughs) And Umbridge is just sitting there like, ha you thought you saw the last of me, did you, bitches? You probably didn't give me a second thought, did you, bitches? Right? You thought I was a single scene character, huh? Well, fuck you, because here I am. And here I stay, at least for the duration of this film. Yes. But anyway. So Dumbledore goes on with his welcoming and everything and he introduces her as dolores umbridge the new defense against the dark arts teacher and she looks as was described all pink you know not fluffy not fluffy no she looks like an extremely off-brand jackie-o you know she's got like the pillbox hat and the walmart jackie-o walmart you know dave's brand jackie-o i like dave's you shush generic she's a generic jackie o who is in a room full of funhouse mirrors you know what i mean like (laughs) she's off she is
0: definitely off
1: she's store brand funhouse mirror jackie o that's all i'm saying but she squeaks out her little (laughs) high-pitched giggle (laughs) and dumbledore wishes her luck with an almost undetectable amount of shade I'm sure you'll all join me in wishing her good luck. Like, because bitch, you're going to need it because don't nobody survive one year. It is entirely possible
0: that that is the closest he got to being Dumbledore this entire film. Right? Well, no, I won't say the entire film because I actually did very much appreciate him in the ending scene that he got. So we'll talk about that. We'll move
1: on there. In a while.
0: Much, 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 much later on. Couple of years. Yeah. But this is definitely a Dumbledore-esque moment that he had.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he quickly tries to move on from it. Like, he tries to just be like, you'll all join me in wishing her luck. Moving on. I didn't mm-hmm. say anything. But she does her little, <laughs> and you just want to punch her in the larynx at that moment. Because <laughs> you're just like, fuck you. Do you need a cough drop? <laughs> she stands and she makes her way to the podium. And this is when Harry leans towards Hermione and tells her that, hey, wait, this bitch was at the hearing and she works for Corny Fudge. Since Harry already
0: shared that tidbit of information earlier, at this point, the trio all just exchanged panic looks because, like I said before, Dumbledore doesn't mention Hagrid being gone or how long Grubbly Plank will be there. Mm-hmm. Then Dumbledore continues to make his announcements, but before he can tell them when Quidditch tryouts will take place, he stops talking and turns to look at Cuntface, who has cleared her throat and is standing with the intention of making a speech of her own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> i hate oh, it God.
1: which right there nearly identical to the movie yeah it starts to line up i said a little mm-hmm, a little bit sure but yeah she stands up and dumbledore is just about to explain that he is the only speech-making motherfucker in the room but this pepto-bismol bitch pepto bitch pepto bitch i think she just got her nickname yes However, unlike Pepto-Bismol, she upsets my stomach.
0: Which is why she's not Bismol. She's Pepto-Bitchmol.
1: Bitchmol! But anyway, Pepto-Bitchmol pays him no mind and just starts in on her own tirade. And this is where we're going to cut off the book and movie. And we'll finish it off next week.
0: Since we still haven't gotten to much of the Pepto-Bitchmol's best moments, we're going to put off talking about Imelda Staunton, but we are getting
1: there. Oh, yeah. I know we've been false leading you towards our tirade about her in an awesome way. But you now way. have yeah. her nickname. But now, yeah, now we have her nickname. <laughs> On the upside, we finally made it to Hogwarts, you guys. Yay! Holy it only balls. took like five and a half months. <laughs> it only took half a year. Gee, I wonder how long the rest of this book's going to take. <laughs> It's okay, guys. We're going to do this together. (laughs) But yes, we finally
0: made it to Hogwarts. And now we're going to be at Hogwarts for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Forever. So aside from Imelda Staunton, we don't really have anybody new that did anything yet. No. Fairly short scene. So we're just going to move on to the Potter pondering. Mm -hmm. Which, as we decided, we want to know if you think Ron was being ignorant about his rudeness to Nearly Headless Nick, or if he was just deliberately being a jerk.
1: i still vote jerk, but tell us what you guys think.
0: Yeah, I'm on the ignorant train. Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't admit that to people, Ellen.
0: I'm on the Ron was being ignorant train. (laughs) So we need you guys to weigh in here and let us know what you think yeah break the tie find the post on our facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer and
1: don't forget you can also stitch a response on tiktok we really look forward to reading hearing and seeing them But this will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Renee Hauser. She writes, I identify as a Slitherpuff. I took the Pottermore quiz several times and was always Slytherin, Slytherin, Slytherin. Then last year I took it again and BAM! I am a Hufflepuff. I think current events in society and my own life brought out my inner Puffy. My wand is maple, nine and three quarters inches, with unicorn hair and a supple flexibility. (laughs) Which is funny, because she
0: literally wrote in parentheses, cue Katie's dirty chuckle.
1: She knows me. It's like she listens to us. What? (laughs) She continues on saying, I originally started reading the books when my oldest son was in kindergarten because he wanted to read them, and I read them with him because I knew there were more mature themes in the story. I fell in love. I have read the books multiple times and watched the movies more times than I would admit in mixed company. My husband, who yelled your names in the queue at the Hogwarts Express, never knew anything about Harry Potter till he met me. Now he has a tattoo of the Tale of the Three Brothers and quotes movie lines right along with me. I listen to your podcast on my walk every morning. I started at the beginning, so I listen to the older episodes every week along with the new ones. You make me laugh and think, which is a great combination. Keep it up. Or should I say, just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. I love her so much. Thank you so much for sharing your
0: Sorting Hat story with us, Renee. Mm -hmm. We wanted to reshare your story. Actually, we know we've already shared it once, but we're resharing so we can make Sorting Hat story posts for people. Yeah. Especially ones that are like actively posting on Facebook and stuff. We think you deserve an awesome picture now that I've been making them. Mm hmm. It's a little Facebook shout out for you. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to use the picture that we all
1: took together at Universal. Mm-hmm. Because we love that picture. <laughs> and it was so awesome getting to meet you there.
0: Oh my gosh. We love meeting our keepers. And we'll be back in Orlando for LeakyCon at the end of July. So don't forget to let us know
1: if you're going to be around. Yes. And if any of you want to share or for that matter, reshare your sorting hat story so you can get a cool picture, too. You can email it to us at JustKeepRolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us.
0: Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what Quidditch team poster does Seamus intently focus on hanging on the wall before telling his dorm mates that his mum didn't want him to return to Hogwarts? The first one who responds with a correct answer in
1: the code word, hashtag because of you, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling@gmail.com at to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at
0: JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question.
1: Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel.
0: If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 11, The Sorting Hat's new song, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep keep rolling. rolling.